Leviticus chapter 26, if you will, and uh, we're going to continue to introduce the minor prophets uh, this evening, and then actually probably do, depending on how far we get tonight, and then we'll do ton tonight and next week a couple more, just because of in looking at the minor prophets, Hosea to Malachi, uh, it's important to understand where they're fitting time-wise and why they are where they're at. And uh, again, last time we just kind of tried to introduce the Old Testament uh, and where we have uh, Genesis, we had the, the 17 historical books, Genesis to uh, Esther, and then we had the five heart books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, uh, the heartbeat, the heart of the nation. And then we have the 17 prophets or hope books and we saw the the 17 break out in 5 and 12 5 genesis to deuteronomy the histor history we we'll just write them up here because we're going to be up here so genesis to deuteronomy is the historical narrative of the nation the birth of the nation and so forth and then the 12 break out in 9 and 3 9, so Joshua through um, uh, Second Chronicles, those 9 are going to be pre, so before they go into captivity, okay? Then Ezra, Nehemiah, and, and Esther are going to be the 3 that are after the captivity is over. And we're going to see that as we go along here. There's a Babylonian captivity that's the main focus and then after that, there's gonna, they're going to be allowed to go back into the land, etc., and do, and that's Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. All right. So just as you've got 17 history books, then on the other side of the of the heartbeat, you have 17 hope books of hope, the prophetic, the prophets, Isaiah to Malachi. And again, they're going to balance out the same way. The first five. That's going to be the, the Isaiah through Daniel, and they're the majors, they're called. And what they're going to do is, is they're going to lay out the foundational issues for Israel's future. They are literally the outline. Here's what's going to happen for Israel's future, and here's how God will accomplish what he's going to do. Then the 12 minors come in, and again, they make out 12, and uh, the 12 break out in 9 and 3. 9, as they go into the pre-exile, so pre-captivity, and then 3, post-captivity, after the captivity is up. But what the minors are going to do, so you, you got to balance, and that's what's key here, all right? But what the minors do is they begin to fill in some of the detail of Isaiah through Daniel. And literally what's going to happen is, is the cycle that we see in the 17 in the front, we're going to see repeated in the, in the back half. So just as there's going to be there's five courses of judgment, we've talked about courses and chastisements last time, just as we saw that there, it's going it, to, this over here up to Second Chronicles is a 
dress rehearsal. It's happening in time, but then it's going to be repeated over here in, in, in the back half. So in the fifth course, there's a repeat here. There's a cycle. Nebuchadnezzar, he's the Babylonian captivity. He's the one that starts the captivity, the fifth course off. And when he does that, actually he's in the fourth course, and he begins the fifth course. And when he does that, he is literally a type of the Antichrist coming over here. Uh, just If you just look with me, look at Isaiah 1, and then get, uh, you got Isaiah 1, and get Hosea 1. Isaiah 1.1. 1, 1. The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, when he was concerned, when he uh, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. All right. Now look at Hosea chapter one verse one. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea the son of Berai in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joaz, king of Israel. You see how Isaiah and Hosea are in the same period. Isaiah is going to lay in the fundamental issue. Hosea is going to pick up on some particular issues and then hammer them home, fill in the detail. So when you, and, and again, by the way, Isaiah is writing to both the northern tribes, and the southern tribes. And we'll see that as we, we get there. So go back with me to Leviticus 26. And again, the minor, the, the study of the writing prophets uh, is very important to understand where we're at on the timeline. So we're going to look at the five courses. I know we kind of started last time. We're going to hammer them out here, hopefully. And then we're going to look at Daniel's 70th week because what happens is, is Daniel's 70th week comes in and then dissects out the fifth course of judgment. And when the Lord goes, so literally at the end of 2 Kings, all right, so 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings is man's history. Here's how man looks at the history. 1st and 2nd Chronicles is how God looks at the history. King Saul was a great man in man's in God's account he's a beast. He's called a beast. Really, but in man he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, he's what we want. So when you think about this at the end of when we come to the end of 2 Kings, we are literally now going to be 400 years away from the Lord Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, and so forth. So there's going to be a gap of time here in the 400 years where the writing prophets are going to fit. And we'll see it as we get there here in a little bit, that time frame of 400 years, God is silent. There's no more, there's no revelation. So he's going to tell them, I'm going to shut down talking to you. By the way, the reason he stops talking to Israel is because they're going to be carried off into captivity. They're going to be scattered. Well, if they're scattered, then they don't have a prophet. So he uses the writing prophets to lay out the communication for the believing remnant to understand what they need to be doing going through this period of silence. So it's very important that we get the overview here 
and, and begin to understand that. Now, the five cycles, all right, think about, think about Samuel. Wasn't a writing prophet, he's a speaking prophet, okay? Elijah. Elijah didn't write a thing down. Could you imagine being there and listening to Elijah preach and teach? And t- but what he said was written down, but he didn't write. Elisha is the same way. So, I mean, there's a school of prophets that Samuel starts, and there's nothing written down by those guys. So it's, uh, there's a very special reason why they write, and it's critical that we we, we get that in our thinking as we begin Hosea. Because when we begin to Hosea, and Hosea is going to talk to the northern tribe, Am, Amos is going to talk to the northern ten tribes, they're going to move through some things quickly. And you've got to have this kind of in the background, because I'm going to say, remember Leviticus 26? I, and pull that up, hopefully, in your, I know you will, I have to have notes. But I know you'll pull that up greatly. And again, if we understand where all of this fits, then it helps us as we go through this. Now, again, we will not understand every detail, but we'll at least put it in, put the books in their proper place. Uh, we were talking the other day about Daniel 7, scratching their heads. Well, there's some of that you're never going to understand, but at least we can put it where it belongs in the history. Now, Leviticus 26, there are five courses of judgment or five chastisements. If you want to use that, again, we talked last time how that's uh, appropriate because verse 23, Leviticus 26, 23, and if ye will not be reformed by me, by these things, but will walk contrary unto me. That issue of being reformed, that's the... That it to, to draw them back, okay? At any point, had they hearkened to the Lord, he would have drawn them back. And that's what the chastisement is. And we looked at that last time where, you know, where we went over and we, we, we ran those verses in Job and in Psalms and in Acts and so forth, where in Hebrews, where, they, where it's designed not to punish but rather to teach and to, and to bring back. That's why verse 14, he starts, but if ye will not hearken unto me. Verse 18, and if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me. Verse 21, and if ye will walk contrary and will not hearken unto me. Verse 23, be reformed by me. Verse 27, and if ye will not for all this hearken Hearken, God sent the prophet in, in each cycle. There's a prophet, a, a, a main prophet. Now, there are many other ones, but there's a main one. He sends them in there, and, and he sends them to, to, bring, to cause them to come, that, the course to get them to come back to him. And each course is going to have a major prophet associated with it. And, uh, and then there are, again, there are other prophets going on, but there's a main one. Verse 14. So, verse 14. But if ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant, and that's the issue. 
the issue here is they're breaking the covenant, okay? And when he sends the, 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 the prophet in to help them reform and they continue to not hearken, he says, okay, verse 16, I will do this also, I will do this unto you. And here, the first course starts in verse 16. The second one is, starts in verse 18. The third one starts in verse 21. The fourth one is in verse 23. The fifth one is in verse 27. Now, we're going to walk through them. And I know we started this last time. We're just going to start at one and get them on the board for you, hopefully, and where you can read them. And uh, if you can't, I've, I got to find, I have a handout from a different study long time ago that I didn't do, an, an, uh, another man, another preacher did, and it's a good handout of these courses, and if I can find it, I'll make copies and, and uh, give it to you. But the, the thing of it is, is he, what is he going to do? Verse 16, I'm going to do this to you. By the way, verse 18, and if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. So these judgments, these chastisements, these courses don't go away. They come in and they stay. They don't then drop off. They it intensifies, and each one just intensifies the more. So verse 16, course number one, verse 16, I will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, the burning ague, that shall consume the eyes and, ca and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. So the first, there's several issues there. There's going to be physical issues come against you. And then you're going to be invaded by the Gentiles, your enemy. They're going to defeat you. They're going to rule over you. They're going to, they're going to take from you. They're going to rob from you. You're going to live in fear of them under that oppression of the, the Gentiles. And then they're going to do the back, back, back and forth with you. Now, where this happens, what is the book that comes after Deuteronomy is the book of Judges. That's course number one, starts in the book of Judges. So come over to Judges chapter two. Hold, you need to stick something in uh, um, Leviticus 26 here, okay? But come over to Judges chapter number two. And I, I know we looked at this last time, but here's where this begins. So if you see where the first cycle, where these cycles begin, you'll see where the last one kind of ends, okay? Because one's going to start, and the next one's going to end, start, end. So Judges chapter 2, we've Joshua, he's been on the scene. Moses is dead. Joshua picks up his mantle, goes. We have a new generation now, and Joshua is, is dying, is dead. If you just jump in, verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Well, you know what? Better go back up. Verse 8. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. So Joshua is dead. By the way, each of these, you see a spiritual condition within Israel. And guess what? It is not a good picture. 
It just gets worse and worse and worse as this goes along. So Joshua is dead. So now there's no leader in the nation of Israel. If you run to Judges 21, verse 25, the last verse of the book, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's the condition within Israel in the book of Judges. In the beginning here, in the first course. Judges 2, verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, and of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And, and that's where they did this. The new generation does this. Verse 14, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not uh, any longer stand before their enemies. Whether they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had said, Leviticus 26, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, Leviticus 26, <laughs> and they were greatly distressed. Thus starts the first course. Just as the Lord had told them through Moses in Leviticus 26 that was going to happen to them, here it happened. God had warned them, if you don't hearken, if you break my covenant, then I'm going to do this to you. They broke the covenant, and he did it to them. Okay? So the first course starts with the judges. You know how many judges we have, right? How many judges were there? Thirteen. Not ten. Not twelve. Thirteen. Twelve good ones and one bad guy. Okay? Now, who... Who do we know? Who, what judges do we know very well? Well, we know Gideon, right? And Samson, Samson and Delilah, okay? And you, you've got, those are the two great judges. <clears throat> now, come over, look at, so you've got judges. Now look at Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. Because what's after judges? The book of Ruth. All right? Look at Ruth 1. This, we're in the first course. I'm going to do that. First course. I shouldn't have done that. First course. Look at Ruth 1 and then verse number 1. Ruth 1, 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land, and off they go. So, the first course is underway, starts in Judges. Then Ruth, Ruth takes place within the Judges. Now, come over to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now, the, the prophet of the first course is Samuel. He's the prophet. He's the main guy. Okay? Now, look at 1 Samuel chapter 8. So we're in the first course. 
By the way, Samuel is a judge. He was one of the judges as well. Samuel 8, 1 Samuel 8, verse 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Isn't that interesting? His son's going to take over. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. There, there were judge, and, uh, and they were judges in Beersheba, and the sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. <laughs> right on. Right in where they're supposed to be, right? Now, and uh, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel under Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Now notice what's happened here. They have no king. Everybody's doing whatever they want. The judges' cycle has run, and they come and they say, Make us a king. We want a king. We don't want to be... But notice how it said, to judge us like all the nations. Israel was a special group of people. They say, we don't want to be special anymore. We want to look just like all the other nations out there. They are in open rebellion against God's purpose in creating the nation of Israel. The, are you with me? First Samuel 8, okay? They're not operating, functioning right. They're off, verse 6, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. I mean, they're rejecting God's word flat out. Now, just, well, keep reading. Verse 9. Now, therefore, hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people they, they, that ask of him a king, and he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. And he gives them, Samuel warns them, tells them what's going to happen. Now drop down to verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So what does he do? Verse 21, And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man into his own, to, uh, unto a city, and Saul is, becomes the king. Saul is there. They anoint Saul. Come over to chapter 12. Chapter 12. And catch what, why they want a king. 12.12. 12. And when ye say that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, come against you, ye said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. They, make us a, they go to Samuel to make him a king 
because there's a Gentile king on their doorstep kicking them, beating them, beating them up, oppressing them, doing exactly what cycle number one is going to do to them. They live in fear of being oppressed, and they said, you know what? They make the request in the face of that Gentile king. They're afraid of that Gentile king. We need a king who can stand up to that king. See, they don't make it for legitimate reasons. They're making it because God said, you're done. You didn't hearken to me, and you're done. So the way to get a... a, a, In their thinking, the way to get away from the warfare is to what? Look like everybody else. If we can posture big, then we've won, and we'll stop the warfare. Verse 13, 12, 13. Now, therefore, behold the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired, and behold, the Lord has set a king over you. It's interesting. They got Saul. Now, watch verse 14. If ye will fear the Lord... And serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. Then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your father. See, right back to Leviticus 26. I'll give you what you want if you obey. Good. If not, Bad, tough sledding is, is coming. Now, by the way, in Deuteronomy 17, Moses has already told them what to do when God put a king over them. So they know that God was going to set a king up on, upon them, over them. They just don't want God's man. They want their man. So you get him. And Saul was a louse of a king. And they reap that benefit, okay? So Samuel is the prophet. Judges, we've got Ruth. Now, come back to Leviticus 26, and let's get number two. Leviticus 26, verse 18. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. Now, here's the second course. Now, it's going to start in First Kings. So come over to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings and chapter 12. So number two starts in 1 Kings chapter 12. But we've got some books in between, don't we? Notice that Leviticus 26 said the first, there's a list of things he's going to do to him there. But the first one is to break the power of, the, of their pride. Let me get it right. I just wrote it wrong. I'm going to break the pride of your power. This is talking about their kingdom. Because what happened in First and Second Samuel? What do we have? We have King David 
and Solomon. So the first course comes to a conclusion, but the second course doesn't start right away. There's some information that's going to happen in there. And we have 80 years of what it is to have God set the king. And you remember Queen of Sheba? The half wasn't told. Look at all of this. Look at all that's happened here. So you've got 1 and 2 Samuel. You've got 1 Kings 1 through 11, because we're in chapter, we're in 12. And the, the pride of their power, he's talking about their kingdom. Their kingdom has been allowed to, to come to great substantial wealth, great uh, oversee under David, bloody man, Solomon, the, the main guy. Now, which is fascinating because it's in this time period that, let's see, if I go three and I go four, we have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And if you think about what's happening here, David, Solomon, think about Psalms, written by, the majority of it is written by David, collected up by the Hezekiah's men. He's, David is the bard of Israel. There he is. David writes the Proverbs to Solomon. Solomon here is, he's out acting like man. He's in his humanity. And then there's the song there of Solomon that he sings. These all are going to fit in this time period right there. So great stuff happening spiritually in Israel. Think Again, think about who did we say the big judges were? Gideon, Samson, and then we have David, and we have Solomon. Okay, we're missing one, aren't we? Who was who is the big players in Ruth? Ruth and Boaz. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. Gideon is the deliverer of Israel. Samson is the avenger. He has his eye he, he goes in and with Delilah cuts his hair. Then they burn his eyes out, and he let, got to let his hair, and he goes into the Philistines and brings the house down on them. He avenges them. David is king, and Solomon is blesser. Now, these five mandates are required for the Davidic covenant. These five mandates fit the five books of Psalms. Just fascinating how it all works here. See, back here... We have the Abrahamic covenant, and then we have the Davidic covenant. Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, see? So we got this picture being drawn here for us in these early books. Did I lose you? We're, I'm just trying, it's just fascinating. I'm trying to walk you across here, okay? So when you think about what's happening, but you got 1 Kings 12, right? Okay, make sure you're there. So what happens is, is, 
No, nothing is in Scripture is there by accident. It's all designed to teach doctrine. And it's teaching doctrine. The Lord is having to teach Israel doctrine through the use of stories. Think about how many people know the story of David and Goliath. Do you know why you, hey, he's using stories? He's teaching children. How do we teach children? Stories. It's not till you get to Paul's epistles that he uses doctrine, which is how you teach adults. That's why Paul says, don't be a child. Grow up and let's get on with this. See? Stories are there. Doctrine is for the adult. Sit there logically, think it through, reason it out, and then go and do. So there's a respite of 80 years between the first and the second course to get things set up. Now, he's going to break the power of their pride. That's going to be 10 to the north, the northern tribes, and two in the southern tribes. That's Judah and Benjamin. That's going to be a major moment in, in his, because politically he just broke them. They're done. Okay? Now, they're not done in that they're wiped out, but they lost their power. They're not unified. Chapter 12, 1 Kings. First. First Kings, oh, I just drew a blank. First Kings 12 is where you have Rehoboam and Jeroboam, okay? And what do they do? They split it up, okay? Now, go back to sec, uh, Leviticus 26. By the way, in Leviticus 26, he says, during the second course, he says, I will make heaven as iron and your earth as brass. There's going to be no rain. Who told Israel it's not going to rain for three and a half years? Elijah is this main prophet, is Elijah. Okay? Again, speaking prophet, doesn't write anything, he talks, okay? Deuteronomy 17, Deuteronomy 28 talks about that earth and the iron is brass and so forth. It's talking about crops and no rain. Now, Leviticus 26, here's the third, and we're going to go to 2 Kings 2. Here's the third course, third course, verse 21. And if ye will, I'm in Leviticus 26, 21. And if ye will walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And everybody chuckles because they don't know quite how to handle this one, but because when you come to 2 Kings, Chapter 2, you have a strange thing here, all right? So, by the way, who's after Elijah is Elisha. So the big prophet here is Elisha. 
okay? So you have Elisha, and you have this issue here, uh, chapter 2, just get into it here, verse 4. By the way, Elisha has a double portion, gets the double, doubles up everything Elijah does. Elijah walks out where Joseph and them walked in. Joshua, I said Joseph, I'm, I'm poor Josh, Joseph doesn't even make the board. He walks in, Elijah leaves that way, Elisha comes right back in that way, see. So you've got a lot of things going on. Elijah, Jehovah is my God, he moves out, and here comes Elisha, bringing it back in. Now, we're just jumping in here so you see where this started. Verse 14, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And then he also smitten the waters. They parted hither, hither and thither, and Elisha went over. So he's going to go right over where the land is. This is the mark, mark Joshua 3. This is the marking here of the beginning of the third course. Verse 15, And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view... At Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha, and they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Now, slide over to verse 23. And he went up from hence unto Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, Go up, thou bald head. Now think about little children doing that. Little children only, you know where they learn from? Mom and dad. So mom and dad have been mocking Elisha. And the little children picked it up. But what does Leviticus 26 say? The beasts are going to come and kill your kids. See? They're following the example of the adults, bald head. All right? We don't want God. We don't want God anymore. We don't want you. Get up and get out of here. Verse 24. And he turned back. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them, just like Leviticus 26, 22 says. He got them. He put the curse on them. And just as the promise was, it is done. Okay? Now, come back to Leviticus 26. So that's the third course. And now we get to where we need to be, and we only got a few minutes. So Leviticus 26 and verse 23. And then get 2 Kings 10. And then the fifth is going to be Second Kings 17, but we're going to do one at a time. Look at Leviticus 26 and verse 23. And, it shall, and if ye shall not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then I then will I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you yet seven times 
for your sins. I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of your enemy, of the enemy. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you and your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. Okay? Now, come over to 2 Kings chapter 10 and verse 32. And watch this begin to happen. Now, what's going to happen here, we've got Samuel, we've got Elijah, we've got Elisha, and now we're going to have the writing prophets. They're going to start in four and conclude in five. And this is going to be Isaiah to Malachi. So we don't have one because of what he's about to do to the nation. 2 Kings 10, verse 32. In those days, the Lord began to cut Israel short, and Hazel, or Hazel, sorry, smote them in all the coast of Israel. Well, he told them that I'm going to bring a sword against you in course four. And when I do that, I'm going to cut Israel short. What he's talking about is he is now taking territory away from Israel. Come over to chapter 15, 2 Kings 15. 2 Kings 15, verse 37. In those days, the Lord began to send against Judah, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia. Now, here's Judah. In chapter 10, verse 32, it's Israel. In 10, verse 32, it's the northern tribes. They are called Israel. The ten, this is Israel. This is Judah. In 1537, it's Judah, the south. And what are they beginning to do? They're beginning to lose ground. They're beginning to lose territory. They're beginning to lose land. The fifth course... Let me see if I can't get this off of here because it would be easier. The fifth course, this is called captivity. Okay? That's called captivity. And what happens in the captivity is it begins to, they begin to, well, go back to second, or to Leviticus 26. Leviticus 26, verse 27. And if you will not for this, for all this, hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also, in fury, 
and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins, and ye shall eat the flesh, and ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughter shall ye eat, and I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcass upon the carcass of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you, and I will make your cities waste, and bring you your sanctuaries unto desolate desolations, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odor. They are losing everything. That is to the ten northern tribes. Verse 32, I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. That's captivity. It's also called scattering. You're scattered. You're not in the land. You're gone. You're under Gentile rule. So in the fourth course, when he starts, he says, I'm going to nail the northern tribes, and Judah, you see what I'm doing to your sister? You better pay attention or you're next. And that's them right there. Now come to 2 Kings 17. 2 Kings 17. So we have two political units here. 2 Kings 17. 2 Kings 17. Um, oh, man, where to start? The first seven verses... You see that king of Assyria? Okay. He's going to, so 1 Kings 17, the north is gone. The ten tribes, King uh, Sennacherib has come in, weighed them laced, hauled them off. They're gone. Okay. Then if you come over to chapter 25 of 2 Kings, You have 2 Kings 25, you have the south carried away into Babylonian captivity, okay? Now, next time, I want to do something here real fast. Next time, we're going to go through this, through 4 and 5 a little deeper, okay? I just wanted to get it up on the board for you so you see, boom, 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 where are we at? We're coming to the end of 2 Kings, we're coming to the end of Second Chronicles. See, Psalms, Job, Psalms, all that's been back here. It's already been written. It's all there. It's going to sit now because what's going to happen now is the writing prophets, they come on board here and they kind of bleed over into the fifth, but they're going to op what they're writing operates in that fifth course. Isaiah looks at the captivity of the northern kingdom, talks about it. Jeremiah, he is in Jerusalem. He stay, he's in Jerusalem before Nebuchadnezzar comes up. Nebuchadnezzar seizes Ju Jerusalem three times. Jeremiah, we'll, we'll see it next time, he stays in Jerusalem through it all. Ezekiel and Daniel are hauled off into captivity. Young, Daniel's a young man when he's taken. They're carried away into Babylon. The, this is where the writing prophets begin to fit. And the reason, now, 
come to Isaiah 30. You can let Leviticus go. We're going to come back next time and clean up the fifth course and fourth course and talk about some things that are happening there that are important to understand uh, where the, the minor, minors are going to fit, okay? Look at Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30. So what's going to happen is, is the reason the right, for the writing prophets, Isaiah 30, God tells them that there's going to be a famine of his word. We'll see this here in just a minute. And I'm going to be silent, and I'm not going to talk to you And while you're in captivity, while you are scattered. So, guys, write it down. Isaiah 30, verse 8. Now go, God's talking to Isaiah. Now go, write it before them in a table, note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. There's a time coming where God's going to be silent, and what do they need? They need the instructions that's designed to get them through this captivity, okay? By the way, well, I get ahead of myself. Now, get Amos chapter 8 and Micah chapter 3. Amos 8 first, one at a time, because you're going to have to find Amos. I'm going to tell you what, you're going to know where Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Hannah, all these guys are, but by the time we get done with them in about eight years, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I'm not, <laughs> okay? Look at Amos chapter 8. Now, Amos is talking to the northern tribes. Amos eight eleven. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but I have hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. So to the northern tribes, what is he saying? There's a famine. Now look at Micah. So Joel, uh, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, chapter 3. Micah is talking to, the, to Judah, to the southern tribes. Micah 3, start in verse 1. All right? I'm in Nahum. That ain't going to work. Micah 3. You start down in, there at verse 1. And I said here, I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? And then he gets into it with them, verse 7. Then shall the seers be ashamed and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. Guess what's coming, Judah? Silence. No answer. So there's going to come a time when it's time for silence. That's going to be... 400 years. But now go get Isaiah 40 and Malachi 3. Isaiah 40. But don't fret because when this time is up, there's going to be a messenger show up. And when the messenger shows up, that tells you the silence is over. The judgment of the silence of God is over. Isaiah 40. 
verse, verse 1. Now, Isaiah 40, the 40th book in your Bible, is Matthew. And who shows up in Matthew? Oh, J.B. does, John the Baptist. Uh, uh, Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortly to Judah, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Silence until there's a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Where's Matthew 3? Where's John the Baptist? He's in the wilderness. Come over to Malachi 3. Malachi 3 and verse 1. Again, so there's a time coming when it's time for silence, writing prophets, and then there's a time that's going to come when it's time to break the silence. And when I break the silence, guess who's showing up? The Messiah, the one that's going to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant, the one who's going to come in and restore all of Israel back to her glory. Malachi 3.1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger, notice that, suddenly come. I mean, Boom, the Lord showed up. He's there. Bam. You know, everybody goes, well, what about his life? What about his early childhood? Nobody cares about that because what was the first thing? Suddenly he shows up. See? You know? Shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. That's why in Luke 1, when the angel shows himself to Zacharias, John the Baptist's dad, and he began to argue with the angel. Can you imagine the shock? There has not been an angelic appearance until that moment. <laughs> it's been silence. And all of a sudden, there's an angel sitting there going, yo, dude, how you doing? You know? And he's like, whoa, who are you? What? You know? So you don't, you're going to have issues here. So where we're at with the writing prophets, because it's time to quit, is the writing prophets start in the fourth, and then they're going to run out, and they're going to bleed, and that years of silence end with John the Baptist. And again, we'll, we'll look into Isaiah to Malachi. We'll get number four and five again in a little more depth. The fifth course, he takes Israel out of the land. He puts them into captivity. So when the captivity is done, we'll, we'll, we will look at uh, Daniel's 70th week because the fifth course, the f um, let's just do it like this. The fourth course starts with Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, okay? And they begin to work that way. And then... That fifth course, guess what it's got? It's got five parts to it. See? Now, how many parts do we have? We have five, and then this last one has five. 
And then when that thing starts, Babylonian, the Nebuchadnezzar starts it, it starts 70 years, and then it's going to go 400, you know, it's going to go another 490 years. It just on and on and on and on, see? And there's a symmetry there that gets down, get, that we have to erase all that and put Dan, Daniel 70 as a week up there, and we're not going to do that. Be here another two hours, okay? The, fit, the writing prophets lay out what's to be expected to happen from the beginning of the captivity all the way out to the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. And this fifth course literally starts right here with Nebuchadnezzar, and it's going to go all the way out to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the establishment of the millennial kingdom, and, and off you go. Now, you and I aren't in this. We interrupted it. We put a pause, we hit the pause button on the VCR. But what we're seeing here in Isaiah to Malachi is Israel's hope. And what is their hope? Will you restore again the kingdom like we had back here? Will you do it again? Is it time? What's the timing of it? And what's going to happen we'll see is literally we will see that the day of the Lord Remember, you've heard that day, right? The day of the Lord's wrath starts back here. And it's going to run all the way out to the establishment of the, of the kingdom. And what's going to happen is in that 70th week, the last seven years, that is going to be the great and notable day of the Lord. So it's not, so a lot of people say, oh, the day of the Lord is just the 70th week. No, it's not. And I'll show you, we'll look at the verses next time. It starts, bam, fifth course, boom, and it runs all the way out. So anyway, so great day of silence coming. You need the writing prophets. I do all of that. Now, we won't look at any of this again because we're going to study the writing prophets, especially the minors, because, I mean, you think about Isaiah, that's 66 chapters, that's 66 books. Literally, Isaiah has been called a miniature Bible unto itself. Uh, if you take Isaiah, you take the 66 chapters, you can, Genesis chapter, Isaiah 1 matches Genesis. You see man, you see creation, and you can just walk right down through them all, even through Paul's epistles, even though he doesn't call it grace and because it's a mystery, but the tone of it, the tenor of it is very gracious and very Pauline, if you will. But they don't know that. We know that because we know Paul. <laughs> and look back, okay? Anyway, I digress. So that's Leviticus 26 in a nutshell. We'll get into the end here in 4 and 5 a little bit more next time, simply because of the issues of what's happening here are needed to catch as we begin to get into the book of Hosea. Because Hosea starts, and you got this guy marrying Gomer, and, and a lot of whoredom going on, and a lot of kids, and Loemi, and Ichabod, and all this stuff happening. And it's like, what? Well, spiritually, what's happened? Israel is in complete and total apostasy, and they're going to lose. And then you're going to see the time of the heathen, time of the Gentiles, the Lord calls it. And that's politically, they're falling. 
when, they, when Nebuchadnezzar takes Zedekiah, King Zedekiah, politically, they are done. They're fallen. The northern ten tribes, Sacronim's got them. They're gone. The Judah and Benjamin, Zedekiah is gone. They're gone. Politically, they are a waste. Even when Cyrus sends them back in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther to rebuild, they're still under Gentile authority. Nehemiah's got to go get the okay from the Gentile king to go. They're done. So we'll look at all that as we go, okay? All right. I got you an hour, hour's worth, all right? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we just thank you for the uh, ability to look into these things and to rejoice and to see uh, what you have done with Israel and what you will be doing in the future. In your name we pray, amen.